here's what I found um, about affairs. So this will give you what you say at the end. Is there anything more you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. Um, very often they occur in a dissociated state, in a disconnected state. Um, and when I worked with couples where this was going on, and let's say, as as was more typical except for the survey, it was more the man who was cheating. Mm-hmm. And the woman would look at him and she would say, I just don't understand how you could do this. You got up every day and you made the decision to get together with this person. How could you do that? You know, what were you, know, what were you thinking? And... I would work very hard at explaining that even though the person was going through the behavior, they weren't really connecting to it um, in in full force. So Mm -hmm. let me give you another example that will help explain that. This week, a website that helps married couples have affairs conducted a survey where over three quarters of the respondents said that it benefited their marriage. Convenient, I know. How reliable is this information? And what does Dr. Karen Sherman think about it based on her experience with her practice? Stay tuned. Hi, I'm gonna keep this short. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You should know that we have a website, hitchedmag.com, with thousands of articles, our complete podcast archive with over 500 episodes, a free weekly newsletter, and more. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating or review to help encourage others to join. And without further ado, enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the lovely, the brilliant, the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Good to be here with you. Uh, It's great to hear your voice. Uh, Karen is a practicing psychologist and relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. You can find all the information about her at her website, DrKarenSherman.com. Okay, Karen, so I... Uh, came across a survey, um, and it was by Illicit Encounters, and it was of 2,000 married cheats. Uh, and the people who took the survey revealed that they had affairs. Mm-hmm. And 77% of the respondents um, who admitted to having affairs said that it actually improved their marriages. Um, so first I want to say how convenient it is, um, (laughs) and how self-serving it is for a website that's called illicit encounters, um, would find that, uh, having an affair would actually help or or improve your marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, with that being said, this is something that we have kind of touched on in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I wanted to get your thoughts on, um, we know it can, the fallout can eventually be beneficial if you address the issues. Um, does this 77% seem plausible? Okay. So th- before I answer that question, I want to say, you know, like you're saying, this is a site that um, wants people to join. And so obviously if they're saying such a high percentage, um, 
you know, feel that their marriages improve, it's going to help them. The other piece of it is it's a survey. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> How many times have we talked about that a survey is not necessarily a really great instrument because there's something unique about the people who are willing to answer them? Right. Okay. So, you know, that, you know, I wanted to just throw that in. Okay. That being said, I've been doing this a long time, and there were many couples that I uh, had worked with who were having affairs. You know, one of them was having an affair, and they actually said that they did feel it improved their marriage. Now, there was obviously a component that they felt was missing, Mm -hmm. and by having the affair— that was taken care of, which then allowed them to go back into the marriage and be okay with it. Mm. That was the explanation. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. okay. Um, but there were many people who did say that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, they so it made their marriage at the time of the affair better because yes. they were okay. And yes. once it was found out, did it make their marriage better? Ah, you're making an assumption. It's not always found out. Right, right. If it was found out, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, what, um, or if it was found out or if it was admitted to, um, because Mm -hmm. I do think those are also different circumstances, Mm -hmm. um, were those above or below 50% in terms of these couples wound up addressing the issues that led to the affair? Um, yes, they, you know, if, first of all, what initially happens is it is so devastating Mm -hmm. for the partner and things get really not so nice for a while or very difficult to deal with. However, my, my finding was that as long as the couple was willing to really talk about what they felt was the reason that they started to get involved with somebody else. And they really were able to be open with each other about what was or was not going on in their relationship. And there had to be a very long healing process that, as far as I was concerned, there were many steps to. It did, in fact, make the marriage better than it was. Um, so initially the people are saying it makes it better because I can go home and deal with my marriage, even though I'm not happy in it. And then if they actually address what the problems are and the couple can go through the various steps that are needed for the healing, then yes, the marriage did get better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Um, two thirds uh, in the survey said that they have a happy relationship even though they cheated, um, based on what you're saying, you were talking about a piece missing, but overall, mm-hmm. um, they were, they seem to be happy. Does that, does that sound right that to you? That one doesn't sound right to me. Yeah. That one mm-hmm. doesn't sound right to me. Um, certainly not for women. And I know we're going to discuss the right. gender difference in a minute, but certainly not for the women because most women who have affairs, it's because there is an emotional com- component that's missing. Mm -hmm. For men, it's more a sexual component. Um, And so, you know, they may feel that 
their sex isn't all they want it to be. Maybe it's not as varied as they'd like it to be. Um, maybe there are certain things they don't feel a right to do with the woman that you married. And so they get those needs met in the affair. And um, they could uh, still feel that they their relationship, that they're happy in their relationship. It doesn't ring true for me for women. Mm-hmm. Um, I think women, as I said, it's more because there's more of an emotional need. And so if that emotional need um, isn't being addressed in their marriage, I don't see how that the, they could say it was happy. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. and, and, and let's let's get into the gender stuff a little bit here. Yeah. So mm-hmm. of those who said they were in a happy relationship, 71% were women and 63% were men. Um, these numbers are actually just the opposite of what you just yeah. described. Yes. And so that does surprise me. Um, again... Um, I, I just have a hard time believing that women are really happy in their marriage because if they were, why would they be seeking, you know, satisfaction elsewhere? Mm -hmm. Whereas for men, it's not with the neediness as much as it is the physicality of it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it makes sense to me, um, to say that, you know, for men, that could be the case. And again, you know, um, not that my entire practice was limited to these kinds of situations, but I did have a lot of people in that situation. And I would say that they back up what I just said, or maybe I'm saying what I'm saying because Mm -hmm. of the experience I had with the couples I worked with. Um, do you uh, so I obviously we've talked um a lot about the biological differences between men and mm-hmm. women and mm-hmm. uh as you're describing the emotional needs of women versus the physical needs of men um do you think that uh today um as we're speaking now in the present time that uh that still holds true that maybe some of what was holding, let's just say women back physically was societal, um, impressions that were put upon them as opposed to the physical need that they also had, or maybe men needed more emotional need. And now they're able to be a little bit more sensitive with the way society has shifted a little bit. Like does, does any of that, resonate with you? I I do think that um, women feel in today's world uh, freer in being sexual and being, you know, um, open about their needs. And so it's likely that that is going to translate to, you know, what I was saying as being not correct, that they feel their husband is a good person and a good provider and a good father and, you know, all those other nice lists of traits that you want, but don't feel that sexually they're getting what they need. And so I do think to your point, um, because of the change in what's accepted these days, there might be more of women just wanting to um, 
get involved because of the physicality of it. Mm-hmm. But but even with that acknowledgement, the the flip of these re, uh, roles seems still surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. It yeah. does. <laughs> um, uh, okay. And then 81% of men said that the fling that they had uh, was good for their marriage, while 72% of women said the same. Um, would there, would the, would the reasons that they give for, um, being good for their marriage be different based on what we've been describing or is it, have we basically just covered that? I, I don't, I think we covered it and yeah. I don't know, you know, um, you read the study and, and I, I didn't get it to read it. Um, does it talk at all about what they said made it better or just, yes, it made it better. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it was that, uh. That in depth, and I'm sorry. I actually, now that I'm looking at what I sent you, you're right. I didn't send it to you. My apologies. That's okay. Um, okay. Well, uh, no, I don't think it was that uh, intense. You know, the, uh, and uh, as we talk about um, in previous podcasts uh, about surveys and things, a lot of times what what happens is like these companies will hire a third party group to send out a questionnaire mm. um, mm-hmm. uh, to get some like you know, interesting numbers that for people like us to do exactly what we're doing, which is mention their name on a podcast, uh, to like promote their thing or whatever. Um, not that we're promoting their, their website or whatever. Um, but pointing out that these are done as mark for marketing purposes, not for research based Mm -hmm. purposes. Typically, typically that's not to say that, you know, companies can't do good, um, research. Uh, but that's typically what this stuff is. Um, so, uh, ironically, <laughs> uh, despite admitting that cheating on their partner, uh, was good for their marriage, um, 94% of those who responded <laughs> said that they would be furious if mm-hmm. they found out that their spouse had been doing it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so how is that possible that they're saying that it was good and they, they, they acknowledge that it was helpful, um, but that. Th- they would be really upset about it. Would, wouldn't that be equally true if their partner cheated on them, that it would be good for, they would see it as good for their marriage as well. Yeah. Wouldn't you think, but you see, think is the operative word there. <laughs> and this is an emotion right. and it makes no sense at all. So, you know, you can justify it, you know, and, and here's what I found, um, about affairs. So this will give you what you say at the end. Is there anything more you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. Um, very often they occur in a dissociated state, in a disconnected state. Um, and when I worked with couples where this was going on, and let's say as as was more typical except for the survey, it was more the man who was cheating. And the woman would look at him and she would say, I just don't understand how you could do this. You got up every day and you made the decision to get together with this person. How could you do that? You know, what were you, know, what were you thinking? And I would work very hard at explaining that even though the person was going through the behavior, they weren't really connecting to it Um in, in full force. So mm-hmm. let me give you another example that will help explain that. If you've ever gone to a restaurant that's a buffet and it's all you can eat, mm-hmm. there are some, you can always see some very obese people there piling their plates high 
really, really full. And if you watch them eat, they're basically shoveling the food into their mouth. They're not eating mindfully. Mm. Um, They're not taking time to take the food in their mouth, to taste it, to, you know, move it around their mouth, to, you know, really savor it and eat slowly. They're just shoveling it. And to me, that's a form of dissociation. They're not thinking about what they're doing. They're doing it, but they're not really mindful of what they're doing. And I believe the same exact... Now, I'm not talking about somebody who's a serial cheater, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think the exact same thing happens. And so in response to that, there's rationalizations, there's... Um, Uh, explanations as to why they're doing this and that makes it okay, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. When it comes time to hearing that your partner did it, Mm -hmm. ah, now all of a sudden that bucket of cold water gets thrown in your face, the big wake-up call, the devastation, the, you know, rocking of your world, and it feels lousy. Mm -hmm. So that would be how I would explain that discrepancy. Gotcha. That I know that I think that was a very good and thorough um, explanation and good good metaphor use. <laughs> um, I yeah I I I don't really have anything to add on that point. Um, I was thinking about how couples have accepted um, like how thruple has become a new word. Um, and what was the what's the word? Thruple. Spell that for me. T H R O U P L E. Okay. Have you not heard of this? No, I have not. Oh, okay. So it's basically a a couple where they have a partner. But this is actually kind of different than affairs, so it doesn't really apply because it's an okay. agreed upon uh polyamory type situation. Okay. Um but it but it's been popularized basically in the last like decade and a half. Mm-hmm. Um and and it it's more uh, about the accepting of an open relationship. So uh, going into what we have talked about but they're both participants, so it's not yeah. that it's like one part person's having an open relationship. It's that they're both they both are mm-hmm. with the, with mm-hmm. the third person. Um and it goes to what you were describing as uh, earlier about like filling that need, right? Like the, the thing that you're not getting from your spouse, well, they bring in a third person that can fill that mm-hmm. need. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess as I was trying to think through like why this has become so popular or I say so popular, how, how it's like kind of caught on this thruple thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it is different than an affair because in an affair, there is deceit that is part of the equation, which mm-hmm. is why you're, you know, it's the sneaking around and the not being truthful. Whereas like a thruple, there is truth. It's mm-hmm. based on truth. It's based on mm-hmm. an agreed upon uh, scenario. So, um, I was going to go down that road, <laughs> but, but the more I thought about it, I, the more I realized it d- doesn't apply. So, okay. I do want to say, and we've covered this piece that I'm about to raise previously, but you know, we don't know exactly every podcast that all our listeners are uh, tuning into. As devastating as it is for a couple to deal with this situation, it absolutely can be worked on. Yeah. The only provision 
is that the couple has to be willing to work on it. As I said, it's hard work. It's very hard work. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are, when I used to do it, there was a very specific program that I followed, you know, so to speak, as far as um, how we were going to go through the process of healing. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't easy. Right. But I would tell the couple about it beforehand and say, are you willing to do this? And um, what I found was that when, in fact, a couple was willing to do that, um, and especially for the perpetrator, because a large portion of it was where the hurt party would express their feelings and explain everything that they felt, and the person who had the affair would have to listen to it and not get defensive and be able to... um, respond back in their own words so that their partner knew that they really got it. Not an easy process to do. And what I found was that the people who were able to do that process, absolutely their marriages not only survived, but were better than they were prior to Mm. the affair. I think that's, I mean, that is really encouraging. Um, uh, How long typically with this, cause you mentioned you met, you use like a process. How, ty- mm-hmm. how typically, how long would it take for a couple to go through that process? If they, if they, uh, engage with it, um, with real commitment from the get go. I would say it's at least several months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, 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 that would vary on a couple of things. First of all, um, you know, how long was the affair going on and how many details were there and everything, because the hurt person is going through it piece by piece by piece. So Mm -hmm. obviously the more that has happened, you know, the longer that takes. The other thing um, that seemed to have an impact on the length was how quickly the person who had the affair could get the concept of Listen, actively listen, validate it, and rephrase it. It's a difficult process to do, mm-hmm. and it takes some time for people to, to get how it is that they're supposed to communicate. So the quicker they got it, the faster the process moved. But it, it would take several months. There's mm-hmm. no way that you're going to do this in a couple of weeks. And that was only the first step of right. the process. Okay. Because I was going to say, you know, there's one, I guess on one hand, there's the point of being able to move forward. Um, Is there ever, I mean, I'm assuming it's kind of like addiction where you never really forget. Mm -hmm. Um, You're all, you know, you're always uh, recognizing your sobriety in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that, is that kind of the same way too, where like the the perpetrator has to, you know, figure out mm-hmm. how to live with the guilt and the other person has to figure out how to live with yes, forgiveness. Yes. And, and yes. And, you know, what I also used to recommend is to periodically still eat some crow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's anniversaries, there's anniversaries of the day I found out there's the anniversary when I, you know, saw this, that, mm. and those are going to be real triggers. Right. So it would behoove the perpetrator to not just sort of hold your breath and hope that you get past it, but to, um, acknowledge it 
and say, you know, this. I know that this day is difficult for you, and again, I am just so sorry. And you know, um, that I found to be very useful. Mm. I I think that's good because uh, it does show it, you, at so much of what we talk about is listening. And, and, mm-hmm. and showing your spouse that you hear what they say. So mm-hmm. to your point, by recognizing those those triggering events, you're acknowledging to your spouse, like, I recognize the hurt mm-hmm. that was caused on these dates. And I mm-hmm. want you to know that I recognize it and I'm not forgetting yeah. it. And I'm not just moving forward while you suffer in silence. Exactly. Over yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's th- Those are really excellent tips. Um, okay. Well, you've given me your thing. So I'm not going to ask. And with that, <laughs> we will wrap this up. So thank you so much for your time, Karen. This was really fun. Thank you, Steve. Okay, thank you. And before we go, I want to remind everyone that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, a practicing psychologist in relationships and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can find this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. You can also find it on our website, hitchedmag.com, where we have all of our podcasts. Uh, over 600 episodes. Um, we have thousands of articles available to you for free, and we have a newsletter that goes out each Monday um, that keeps you up to date on all the latest happenings in our marriage tips, advice, research, etc., etc. So hopefully you sign up for that. It takes about 30 seconds. And with that, we will call this one a week. And until next time, take care, everybody. Yeah.